Welcome to the Mandela Podcast, where we help you feel your best body, mind, and soul. Hey there, Charlie McDermott, back in, most importantly, back with Bree Jaworski. Bree, how you doing? Doing great, Charlie. Thanks so much. How are you? I'm doing terrific. And holy cow, I mean, little by little, we, we're working on, is this episode four? Yeah, episode four. Just wow. exciting. Yeah. I remember yeah. when it was just an idea and now it's a thing, which is cool. Amazing. You know, yep. you put things out there, you do a little work and bingo, bango. And and more importantly, I mean, we've already seen, heard the results. I mean, some of the topics that you've covered, uh, this is part three of the personality disorder mm-hmm. disorder series. And uh, you're going to get into a, a couple other mental health conditions today. Yep. Learned a lot, number one, personally, Brie, from this. This has just been helpful, even if I'm not seeking help. So that's awesome. But certainly, you know, the reason why you're doing this is to help those out there, whether they're in Southwest Florida or beyond, you know, to share your experience and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I hope it's been helpful. I, you know, I've tried to make it somewhat easy to understand. I mean, there's just, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to Mm -hmm. each one. But, Um, so today we're going to go over the last two of the cluster B personality disorders. So histrionic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. So we're going to wrap this series up today with those two. So I'm excited. Okay. Well, I'm going to just turn the mic over to you then and uh, get us started. Okay. All right. So let's start with histrionic. So histrionic personality disorder, um, again, is in what we call the cluster B uh, group of personality disorders. So I'm going to give just some of the things that you'd see as far as symptomology and then discuss also some examples, some examples that people might know. All right. So histrionic is the biggest thing about it. They use a lot of physical appearance to draw attention. Attention is like their number one goal. So they actually get very uncomfortable and upset if they're not the center of attention. So Um, Whereas a lot of people are like the exact opposite, you know, they don't want to be the center of attention. Someone who has histrionic personality disorder is going to always want to be the center of attention. Um, So they're pretty easy to spot, to be honest. If you come across somebody who, and most people, even if they don't know if the person has had like an actual diagnosis, you can think of somebody in your past that like, always, you know, no attention was bad attention kind of thing, like always has to be the center of attention. And gets really upset, angry, or, you know, like distraught, if not. Um, So other things, they tend to have very unstable emotions, um, a distorted self-image. Again, just they always want to be noticed. So whatever they have to do to get noticed. And sometimes those things are not great things. Sometimes they can be of like an inappropriate sexual manner. Um, it could be anywhere from like the way that they're acting to the way that they dress or appear or the things that they say, just really, um, a lot of times they'll say things that don't even make sense just to be like outlandish or to like get attention. Um, so just like a lot of very attention seeking behavior and, um, yeah. So some examples of this would be really, I mean, I, I'm not like diagnosing them, obviously, but like really anybody that would want to be on a reality TV show. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And especially one that's based around like bad behavior. So like, I don't know if this show exists anymore, but there used to be a show called The Bad Girls Club. And like every woman on that show would just 
act crazy, do the craziest things, say the craziest uh, things, and then they put them all in a house together. And then that, of course, was chaotic. So like stuff like that, like just the, the worst kind of attention that you can imagine, that would be this person. Hmm. Yeah. So then a lot of um, a lot of actors and actresses in Hollywood actually could fall into this category as well. Um, we don't always see the behind the scenes of these people, but you know, just the fact that they want to be seen, they want to be the center of attention. There could be some personality disorder type things going on behind the scenes with those people as well. It is definitely um, rumored and alleged that um, Amber Heard, people are like, uh, Amber Heard's been in the news a lot lately with her court case with Johnny Depp. Um, people have alleged that she has been diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder um, because of some of the outlandish things that she's done just to get attention. Um, um, and, you know, sometimes this will include making things up or lying or um, I don't think they do it so much to intentionally lie. It's almost just like that they just want, it's almost like coming up with a good story for the attention. So sometimes, yeah. you know, that might look innocent enough, but you know, a lie is a lie is a lie kind of thing. So, <laughs> so question, question for you, because, because I, I have spent my share, uh, you know, on a production set and, yeah. and you know, that center of the universe and, and mm -hmm. how intoxicating that can be. I mean, just for someone on the outside and, and that is you, you live that for a period of time. I mean, weeks, months, in cases, years with yeah. the, you know, TV series. Right. So is, is that a disorder that's developed that could be developed through that? Or is that something you're, you're already trending that way or you, you kind of have that in your personality and then, yeah. and then, you know, that becomes the, the final piece that really puts you over the top. Right. How does, yeah, it's tricky. We don't really know how a lot yeah. of these personality disorders like come to be. Um, you know, there are studies that say that it could be genetic. There are studies that say it could be environmental. But um, I think that attention for a lot of people can be kind of contagious. So I think that that can happen on a like a set or something like that where people, um, you know, it's kind of like nice to have the spotlight on you or to have like that energy and like, you know, the focus be on you. But uh, I think when it turns into more of a personality disorder is when it's, um, you know, just taking over your life, like you're consumed by it. I think most people, well, I don't know about most people, but a lot of people, even in that field, can step away from it. And in yeah. fact, they like their privacy. They like their downtime. Whereas someone with histrionic personality disorder, they would not like that time. They That's always, like, they'd be the ones calling the paparazzi, telling them to show up versus someone who's like, you know, trying to have a little bit of like off camera time, you know? Privacy, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So okay. um, I know I brought her up before, but she is just a plethora of mental illness. But Regina George from Mean Girls. I know I've mentioned oh, her Oh, Mean Girls. There's so much going on in that movie. Or Regina. <laughs> I keep picking on her. I know. But like, you know, she is a good example. She's very, very... Um, obsessed with the way she looks and needs, you know, she has this like clique of girls that are constantly like around her and she needs to be the center of attention. So she has very um, histrionic kind of um, attributes yeah. as well. So, and the other person that I thought of, and I don't know if you've seen this movie, but it's called Bad Teacher and it stars Cameron Diaz. Uh, I've not seen it, but I remember the previews. Yeah. yeah. Her character is like, <laughs> like textbook histrionic, like literally like does 
whatever uses very much like exudes like her sexuality and like her looks and appearances to like get her way and to like you know just do whatever and be in the center of everyone's you know mind all the time so she definitely like makes me think of her for sure okay yeah all right i'll put it on my list (laughs) it's a good movie yeah i think I, I told my husband, any movie that starts with the word bad is typically one that I'm going to like. So <laughs> <laughs> That brings to mind Bad Santa. Haven't seen that one either, but... Uh, <laughs> that one's a good one, too. Qualify. It's very yeah. raunchy, but, like, uh, hilarious. I'm not going to lie. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, you should put that one on your list for sure, too. Uh, all right. All right. So the very last one of the Cluster B personality disorders that we're going to talk about, and this is definitely the most uh, dangerous, it's the most damaging, and that would be the antisocial personality disorder. So not to be confused, I think people get this confused because the name implies some sort of like, um, you know, like being an introvert or being a hermit or not wanting to be around people. It's not what it is at all. So antisocial personality disorder is uh, the official like DSM diagnosis for someone being a psychopath. And so obviously, like when we think of psychopaths, the first thing that comes to my mind is serial killers. So serial killers typically fall into this uh, category. But we see mm-hmm. a lot of lies, um, breaking laws, uh, very impulsive in their actions, but also they have a lack of regard for other people for the sometimes even themselves in regards to like safety and things like that. They tend to be very reckless, uh, violent, um, antagonistic, just a very like the kind of the person you would not want to live next door to, or definitely don't want to live with. (laughs) These are like the actual scary um, type of people as far as a diagnosis. So um, yeah, like the people that you would consider a psychopath or sociopath, like they fall into this category. So it has nothing to do with them being antisocial in a way that we, in a context that we understand it in our society, it's very much like, they're anti-society and that they don't follow societal rules. They just kind of do whatever they want. Um, And one of the things that we notice, so this diagnosis can't be made until the person is 18, nor should it be because we have um, other diagnoses that are more suitable for someone that is younger. Um, But Mm -hmm. we do notice that there are things such as harming of animals or even killing of animals that you notice when they're younger. So this would be something that you would notice. Um, you wouldn't necessarily be able to diagnose them uh, with antisocial personality disorder at that stage. But when you're getting information about history and history taking with um, with someone, that would be something that would be a huge red flag to this particular diagnosis. Right. Um, again, we're not really sure where this stems from. Some people believe that it could be genetic and other people believe that it could be um, environmental. But we do know that it does affect men more than women. And we see it um, in a higher percentage in the prison population, which would make sense. Um, So for instance, like if someone with antisocial personality disorder saw someone in a car accident, like they actively saw someone get in a car accident. Most people would pull over. They might call 911. They might get out and try to help. This person would just keep on going. Like they don't have a regard for other people. They don't feel guilt. They don't, um, 
they don't have lacking empathy uh, is that correct Mm -hmm. yeah no empathy and just no um they have no regard for consequences um so yeah just not really a type of person that you'd want to be around if given the opportunity (laughs) to choose so (laughs) (laughs) and are they typically loners then um they can be some people okay so psychopathy in general falls on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So there are people who are diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder who are not criminals and are not violent and all of these things. Obviously, like I'm discussing some of the more extreme versions. So if they fall on that other end of the spectrum, just kind of where they don't, um, they still don't feel like guilt or remorse for things, but they're able to cognitively like keep their actions in check still. Like they know what's acceptable in society. And even though they may not feel it and they may not feel that empathy or like those normal human emotions or range of feelings, they still know like logically like this is not okay. Or I need to act a certain way in order to like acclimate into society and be like a normal functioning human being. Um, So Hmm. there are people that are given this diagnosis that don't commit crimes or anything like that. And so those people are able to like be in a relationship or like, you know, function in society, hold jobs and things like that. Um, And then the people that are on the other far end of the spectrum, they also tend to um, kind of enmesh into society. But a lot of times they're doing some of these really harmful and violent and scary things on the side. Uh, When we look at serial killers, a lot of times they're leading kind of a double life. So they may have Mm -hmm. a wife and kids at home and then be out murdering people on the side at night. And, you know, nobody knows until they know, you know? So that's, that's kind of the scary thing about it is they are a lot of times able to hold back on their, um, they're not able to hold back on their impulsivity. They're still doing the impulsive things, but it's like they're able to like hide them, keep them secret and in the far end of the spectrum where we see like the actual like murder and things like that. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. So serial killers, definitely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As far as characters. So the Joker from Batman, I think he would fall into this category. (laughs) Yeah. And also one that's pretty famous is um, from the movie American Psycho. So Patrick Bateman's character who's played by Christian Bale, he would fall mm-hmm. into this category as well. Mm-hmm. So those are obviously like sensationalized versions. But yeah, it gives you like a little bit of an idea of kind of what makes them tick, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So then bringing this full circle, you know, for someone listening yourself someone you know i mean what what is that next step once you yeah realize that hey maybe i need some help yeah and so for people that are on that that end of the spectrum that is able to you know live a relatively normal life even though they don't feel and maybe see things in a normal sense they're still able to cognitively like put it together enough to where they can live normal lives. Like those people typically do seek therapy and um, psychotherapy actually has been found to work. Um, again, there's no uh, medication per se for personality disorders, but there are medications that can treat the symptomology of the the different personality disorders. So there's not like a 
oh, you're antisocial personality disorder. Here's a pill for that. But if you have, you know, there could be um, mood disturbances and things like that that could be corrected with medication. So there is, there are different things that you can do to help. But I honestly, therapy for someone who's like functioning and is not like a criminal or anything like that, that would be the best uh, like route for them to, I think it would be a good thing too, so that they can because sometimes they don't have the best grasp on what it's like to have to think normally and to process things normally. I think it'd be good to like have somebody to bounce that off of, bounce those ideas off of, rather than like freaking out the people close to you. Like, hey, I don't have feelings about this, or I don't feel emotions about this. Like, whereas your therapist can be like, okay, well, I understand that, but can we find a way around that so that we can act in a certain way or behave in a certain way yeah. that's like, yeah. you know, acceptable in like a workplace or relationship or whatever. So. Yeah, so therapy so, definitely. Yeah. So this this might be all movie sensationalism or TV, but you know, you you see those shows of of the whatever, the serial killer or the the criminal and they talk about the voices inside their heads, right? Yes. What yeah, I so, so you're shaking your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what what is that all about? I mean, is that Charlie? You you're know, getting Jeff? into a whole different realm. So, <laughs> <laughs> so typically, if someone is hearing voices, like everybody has the voice in their head, you know, like their yeah. conscience yeah. or whatever you want to call it. But if you're actually yeah. hearing voices, like other people that aren't you, um, the first thing that comes to mind is probably schizophrenia or something along mm-hmm. those lines, which is a completely, um, totally different uh, yeah. subset of disorders, but. And it's also not a personality disorder. So, but we do have a, a cluster of personality disorders that have um, those kind of tendencies. So, um, things that make you hallucinate or have delusions and things like that. So, there's a whole subset of of personality disorders mm-hmm. that come with those things too. But um, yeah, that would be definitely that would make me think probably schizophrenia, mm-hmm. and um, and there is. A lo- Unfortunately, there are medications and things that you can take for that that help yeah. subside a lot of those symptoms. Um, unfortunately, though, a lot of people come to not like them. I don't think that's the right term, but they get used to them. They get used to those voices, unless they're like harmful voices telling them to like harm themselves or harm. But if it's just kind mm-hmm. of passive voices that they're hearing, uh, they get used to those. And then when those voices go away, they they don't like it. And so a lot of people get on medication and then get off medication because they want to get back to their normal, as long yeah, as the voices aren't right. like intrusive or dangerous or that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's all kind of like personal preference. But yeah, I mean, maybe someday we'll get into that kind of stuff too, but <laughs> not today. <laughs> oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, Brie, that was great. Any Anything else you want to add? Anything we missed? Uh, the only thing I'd like to add is just I think the next little segment of podcast that I'd like to do is answer some relationship questions. So if anybody has any relationships relationship questions, you can go ahead and email them to me and we will read some of them on the air and I'll answer them for people. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm thinking we'll go next. Oh, terrific. Terrific. Yeah. And it, uh, so we can uh, certainly include the email uh, on the description. Do you mm-hmm. want to share the email uh, for, for our listeners? Uh, so the best email to write in your relationship questions would be the Mandala podcast at gmail.com. And we, you can 
let me know if you'd rather them be anonymous, which is totally fine. I can read them and answer them anonymously, or you can submit your name if you're comfortable with that. But anything having to do with uh, relationship red flags specifically, I think that would be a good thing. That's something that in my office we cover all the time. I even... I'm a little bit obnoxious in this, but um, I have actual red flags in my office that I'll wave around when people are telling me about their relationships because a lot of times I'll ask them like, okay, so do you see anything wrong with this? Or like, do you, are you noticing any red flags? And they're like, "Mm, no. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) so (laughs) eventually I just got these red flags, literal Uh red flags that I'll just wave around casually in in my sessions and my clients think it's funny now because they they know about the red flags um but honestly they get really good at picking them out once i kind of show them some different Mm -hmm. ways of looking at things and how certain red flags can turn into bigger issues or that kind of thing you know they start to pick out the red flags themselves a lot easier so my hope is that just by reading some of these uh, questions and and answering some of them, uh, it will give people some insight into their own situations and maybe be able to help some people either. I I don't want to tell people to get out of situations necessarily, but just point out some things that might be um, red flags or just behavior that I know has been shown to escalate to bigger things or worse things, you know? So that would be my hope is that I can help someone get out of a situation that's unhealthy or to help them at least recognize some of the red flags. So send all your red flags to me and we will read some of them. And you're going to have to bring your red flags to the next episode. Yes, I will. I had like 14 of them. I started giving them out to my clients after a while. (laughs) You cannot just buy one single red flag on Amazon. Who knew? (laughs) I'm probably like the only (laughs) weird person that tried to get that anyway, but they're like come in packs of like 10,000. So I have a lot of them. (laughs) Love it. Love it. That's great. Well, Brie, pleasure as always, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Awesome. Thank you so much, Charlie. Enjoy your week. Thanks for listening to the Mandela Podcast. To learn more about Mandela Counseling and Health Coaching, go to www.mandela-counseling.com. That's www.mandela-counseling, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, ing.com or call 239-360-1983 or visit us on Facebook or Instagram.